Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and as always, joining me from Toronto, Ontario, is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Bill. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. This week, we're going to be talking about the Jackbox Party Pack, You Don't Know Jack, and other games in this style of template humor that exist. Uh, Template humor, you might first remember yourselves, even if you didn't know what it was called, when you played Mad Libs as a kid. Just the idea that there's like a pre-made structure for the joke and you're filling in the punchline. And, you know, some of the strengths of that form, because it is, it is good, it is effective, and what's not so great about it. As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. But first, uh, before we get into the discussion of those games, uh, Cliff, have you been playing anything lately? I've been playing more Metro 5. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to play something else. I haven't, had, I haven't had too much time to, you know, sit down and, you know, uh, uh, play games too much. So it's just been Metroid Prime. I played that a lot, actually, on Sunday. Still playing it. Still enjoying it. But I think I mentioned it before. It's, you know, I'll play it for a little while and then I'm like, okay, that's, you know, I've enough. You know, I don't want to play it too much and then uh, just get exhausted with it because you kind of need to maintain that sense of exploration the entire time, right? Um, and the game really nicely, like, propels you forward. You find this thing, and then you know you can go to that area next, you know, that sort of stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's all I've played. I mean, it's pretty much every single podcast we've done for the past, like, I don't know, month and a half. I, uh, I just kind of say, yep. Metroid Prime. So just you wait until probably next week when I say Metroid Prime 2. Whoa! I know, it's going to be crazy. Because I don't remember that one as well as Metroid Prime. So I'll be interested to know, like at the start of Metroid Prime, I remember you're like a demigod, basically. And then you get hit by an explosion and you lose all your power-ups. I'm wondering how they're going to take away your power-ups at the start of this game. Oh, I'm excited to find out. (laughs) (laughs) like at the beginning of every new Zelda game where you're like, well, he doesn't have the Master Sword anymore. Whoa, he's got the Master Sword now. Oh, he doesn't have it again. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about you? What have you been playing? Well, I've been playing Pinball Arcade lately. Okay. Uh, what's that? Some sort of pinball arcade? It is, in fact. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a virtual pinball table. And it's a collection of tables. Uh, You buy them like a la carte from a a menu that they have as part of the software. They have mostly older tables, uh, pretty much only things from like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, But they do have a couple tables you might remember if you were a kid in that, like the 80s and 90s like we were. Um, The more famous ones they have are they have the Star Trek The Next Generation table. Okay, I honestly think I can picture that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have the Adams Family table, and they have uh, the Twilight Zone table. These are like the ones that, the other ones they just kind of included, but these ones they had to like do fundraising to get enough money to buy the licensing for these tables. And you know, it's it's a really good treat for people who like pinball, uh, such as myself, because. Even in, in Chicago, we're pretty lucky that we do have a few arcades and barcades, and they have a pretty wide selection of pinball tables, and they're pretty inexpensive to play, but it's, it's still not easy to play them all the time, and I don't have the space or money or like mechanical knowledge to buy and maintain a pinball table. So having them all available on PS4 is a real treat. And like they're all reproduced very well. The, like All the voice acting 
from the original tables are are there. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, when you play Adam's Family, Raul Julia uh, did voice lines for that. Really, that's very charming. And then same. If if I was going to play a game that was centered around pinball, I would definitely want like authenticity. You know, that would rank very very high on my list of requirements for that game. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's really what they're striving for. And I think, I mean, I'm not a like a pinball expert, but I think they get really darn close. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, does it feel, I'm, uh, this, uh, this, I don't know if this is a strange question, does it feel like you're in front of the table? Like I imagine if you're playing it, what did you say, PS4? Yes. I would imagine if you're playing it on the PS4, it's able to render it like in pretty fair detail. So I imagine they would almost do it so, like, you're looking at the table from, like, a certain angle. Maybe some things are, you know, blocked out of view just because there's stuff in front of it or things like that. Uh, is that kind of how it looks, or what? what's the visual sort of situation going on? Well, you can play like that. Uh, I play with a more distant camera view, which is, like, kind of floating over the table. I see. Okay. And as a result of that, I feel like I'm able to play a lot better because I can see the ball moving around and I have more reaction time. Whereas I'm, I struggle a bit playing in person. I, I don't have the ability to get quite the same perspective or line of sight when it goes up the table. And just here, I, I can see it wherever it's going. I can plan out routes more easily. I have a better opportunity to trap the ball. So it's not authentic in that sense. I see. Um, well, you know what? That's That's all right. I think that's a little bit. I do too. Yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> an improvement on real life in a way. <laughs> they finally improved on it. I've been waiting for that real life patch to come out for such a long time, you know? Because, I mean, if I could, in theory, play with like a harness pulling me up so that I have a, I'm able to kind of hang over the table and look at it, I would rather do that, I think. Yeah, kind of like Mission Impossible for arcade games. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I suppose that would be good. That would uh, give you the, you know, prime viewpoint. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, I mean, the best angle and the best opportunity to see everything, for sure. That's good. Well, how does it compare to the uh, Windows XP Classic uh, pinball? Ooh, that, the Astro Table? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, what was it? I think it was Space Chase? Ah, jeez. Space, Cosmo, something spacey, definitely. We can agree on that. Yes, yeah. Oh, man, I played that one a lot. It's... uh. You know, it's a solid number two to that. Oh, yeah? Is it? Oh, I guess, I mean, it's really, really hard to uh, to beat it. I think, you know, that's pretty much the pinnacle of pinball, I think. I would say the pinball arcade is climbing high enough so it can see how far Space Cosmo Chase reached. Oh, I see. Yes. It's like you get to the top of the mountain only to discover that there's another mountain past. Yes, and Space Chase is already at the top of that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up. It's uh, it's called uh, Space Cadet. Space Cadet, I but see. admittedly, uh, no one called it that. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just called it Binball. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cadet on the image is, like, pushed towards the back, so you can see the C. Space Chase is fine. You know, you could call it Space Caper and get away with that. Thank you, yeah. And just, uh, there's one other game that I didn't play. That you didn't play? I did not play. It was the DLC for Shovel Knight. Oh, you didn't play it. And that's because... I couldn't play it. I don't even know why you would bring that up. Like, I don't... I'm not like, well, Bill, this week I didn't play 
Oh, Super Mario Strikers. I didn't play that this week. Well, for one thing, maybe you should play Super Mario Strikers. I mean, think about it. I I bought it and I didn't really get into it too much, but I, you know, I always, you know, on like a, a, you know, a philosophical basis, I always, you know, understood it as being a good game. But this isn't about me. What's up with Shovel Knight? Well, just, uh, I wanted to play it and I tried to play it. Uh, I was not successful. I, I... Uh, Cliff, you have it on the Wii U, right? I have it on the uh, on my computer and my 3DS. Oh, okay. Uh, well, on the 3DS, you have to download a patch to enable the DLC, which is to play as Plague Knight instead of Shovel Knight. Right, Plague of Shadows, right? Right, exactly. But I could not figure out how to do it, and this was after going to Yacht Club's website, and like there are there are instructions there, and then there's like a workaround there that you can do if the instructions don't work, but I couldn't, neither worked, and then any other tinkering that I could do, I couldn't figure out how to make the, the patch download, and I'm sorry, I gave up. <laughs> that sounds very frustrating. It was. I spent like an hour trying to make it work, uninstalling, reinstalling, repairing the file, looking for patches. They're, one of the things that you should that they suggest you do is you go into your eShop activity, and look for like the timestamp from when you originally bought the game, and there's okay. something you can do from there. And so like digging through that and like finding it, like finding the receipt basically, and not being able to do anything new was it was pretty frustrating. I was I was pretty annoyed. Yeah, that it's especially for Nintendo, right? Because they're it's as far as I you know I've come to understand if I have a Nintendo product, I almost just purchase it with like not even an assumption that, uh, you know, it's all going to work well. Just like, I just, you know, it's going to work well. You know, I don't even assume that, you know? Well, I guess I am assuming it, but it's more than that, right? I just, I would be shocked if it didn't, you know? I mean, they're usually very reliable. I think uh, when they get into the online space is where it's shaky. Uh, Like, I know you've had a lot of success playing Mario Kart 8 uh, DLC. I I think that's more the exception than the rule with them, though. Do you think, really? I I mean, perhaps I am just you know one of the few who's had you know flawless experiences i do remember that when i had the original wii i had a lot of problems connecting it to the internet and i needed to reconfigure some things about the wi-fi network but that was a long time ago and since that i can't remember too many other times when i've had issues um but i i am you know disappointed to perhaps realize that maybe that's unique that maybe a lot of people have problems with nintendo online I mean, for reference, uh, you cannot play any Wii or Nintendo DS games online anymore. Uh, I knew that. I knew that. But I think that's the same way with, like, uh, pretty much all backwards compatibility, wouldn't you say? Can you not play, like, Xbox or Xbox 360 on games online anymore? Or uh, you certainly can't play PS2 games, and I think PS3 games probably are having increasingly limited uh, capabilities, I would imagine. Well, the 360 and the PS3, you can still pretty much play. Uh, that's more of a game-to-game case, though, with those. But really? like, yeah, but the online functionality is still there. It's just uh, when Nintendo, the the servers they were using were run by this company called GameSpy, and when this company went out of business, they did not opt to get new servers for those games, and now that online functionality for Wii games or DS games is gone. Well, that sounds a little lazy, to be honest. It's clear, like, I mean, a company doesn't just suddenly go out of business. Unless you're Future Shop. <laughs> Buzzing. Oh, 
but I mean, it's like they gotta know, like GameSpy is gonna be like, hey, we're you know we're closing down, we're shutting down our servers. Nintendo's just like, oh well, we just won't run those games anymore. I don't know why they wouldn't. Ah, I just don't. You know what the weird part is too? Uh, you can buy Mario Kart, the DS Mario Kart, for your Wii U, but you can't play it online. Well, okay, so you can buy Mario Kart DS for the Wii U, yes, like the virtual console, right? yes, mm-hmm. but then you can't play it online. Yes, even though the Wii U is an online system and the Nintendo DS version of Mario Kart has online capability, you can't like run it through the Wii U servers or whatever. That uh. Huh. I honestly don't know how I feel about that because I feel like, on the one hand, yeah, it's online. It's already online. You know, they should have it separately. But at the same time, you're emulating an old DS game on it, so maybe the capabilities shouldn't be like everything that it originally was. Uh, I'm honestly, I'm torn. I'm torn. I think that's a, a fair, moderate point to take. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't cost nothing to do that. It's a uh, good save there, Bill, on the double negative. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it costs money and it's time-consuming to emulate, but, you know, I, I think if you're going to release these games, you should release them fully functional. Interesting. Interesting. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Although, with a little, like, asterisk next to it for, like, caveats, you know. But, uh, I'm, like I said before, I'm torn. I want to agree, and then I think I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm... <laughs> Look at me. I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> I, I can see it through the internet that you're struggling. Yeah, I'm glad it's that uh, palpable. But luckily we have that internet connection to see your struggle. We do. Unlike Mario Kart uh, DS on the Wii U. Whoa! Yeah! Bringing it again with the jokes. Oh, so randy. Bow, bow, bow. Winga, winga. Oh, you're listening to WSMB here with the Bill and the Cliff Dog. Oh, morning drive, looking busy on those exits. Ah, we got some uh, Pharrell coming up pretty soon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you beat me on that. <laughs> I, I could name one Pharrell song, and I don't even know that it's pronounced Pharrell or Pharrell. So. Uh, I think it's Pharrell. Oh, good. I, I got it. Wow. Now you, now you know. Yeah. It's funny, but I, you know what? If you said Farrell Williams, I would know who you're talking about. Although, that is a funny idea. I'm sure someone's done that before. Like, done a picture of Farrell Williams, but he's all like, like, like a wild. You know what? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Farrell Williams, yeah. It? It's like Farrell, but he's like been out in the woods for three days. He's got like... He's got, like, mud all over his clothes and hair, like, it's unkempt and wild. Yep. He's just like, yep. I, I need a phone. I need a phone. <laughs> yeah, that sounds all right. That sounds, uh, that sounds right. That's pretty much what I'm imagining. Well, that's, that's uh, the games that I've played and have not played. Um, oh, that's, that's great. I, I look forward to the future when we expand this segment to include all the games that we just don't play or haven't played. It will really pad out the length of these episodes, I think. It'll make it a lot easier for us, honestly. It will, I can imagine, because we're just going to have so much to get through in the same length of time. So people are going to say, hey, ever since you started talking about all of the games you haven't played, it's been, like, nonstop. You barely have time to breathe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really boxing out the games that we have played. It really is. Tune in to so many bits when... uh, 
Uh, Bill and Cliff just talking about all the games that they haven't played. Oh man, you know, uh, Anamusha. Haven't oh, played. Have... I have not played that. <laughs> oh, yeah, me neither. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about uh, the topic for the week? Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, so I guess uh, yeah, you don't know Jack. Jackbox games and template humor. Or template comedy is, what I think, what I called it at the start. I think template humor, comedy, either one. I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, we said template humor, but now he's talking about template comedy. I'm, I'm totally lost. I don't think that's going to happen. If that is what's happening, or what's happening, and you're listening to that, and that's you right now, I apologize. I don't know you personally, and I have no right to judge you. I apologize, too. I might know you personally, but I don't know who you are, so you, you need to cry out for help when you're in need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so template uh, comedy. Now, as far as I've you know come to understand, these are games that are specifically designed to allow players to sort of create their own humor inside of the game. Am I right? Yes, I, I would say that's correct. Okay, cool. Uh, so there was a package of games released by uh, the same company that makes You Don't Know Jack. I think, it, what was it, Jelly Vision? Yes, they were originally Jelly Vision. And then uh, there actually still is a Jellyvision. They they work on like educational software, and now but there's also Jackbox Games. It's the same company. Oh, um, okay. They're just under a different name. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And they and they made the Jackbox Party Pack, which came out now uh, like a year ago almost, and it includes five different games. One of them being a new version of You Don't Know Jack, and then also uh, games like Fibbage and Drawful. Hmm. Uh, now, I think, uh, was it Drawful, the one in particular, that was uh, the template game? Yes, especially Drawful. Uh, we talked about it a bit on the Pixels episode, uh, where at the start of each round, all the players get their own suggestion of a topic they have to draw. Then, one at a time, those pictures are put up, and each player has to make a name, a topic name, for that picture. They're all... Okay. They're all mixed together. They're all put up there, all the topic names, plus the real topic name, and people have to guess which one is the right one. Okay. All right. So let me guess. So, or sorry, let me just summarize this based on my understanding. Sure. You draw something, right? Mm -hmm. Or rather, you uh, get like a title and you draw something based on that. Like I would get a topic like tree bar, and then I have one minute to draw the best visual representation I can of a tree bar. Okay, then everybody else sees this image, and they type in a title as well, or they choose from a pre-selected title or something like that? They write in their own title. Okay, and then so the picture shows up for everybody. Yes. And all of the other, uh, all the titles that have been given are floating around or on the screen or whatever, and you need to pick which one you think was the real one. Right. Tree, like, tree, tree bar will be there, and then all the fake ones are there, too. Right. So, uh... Does it work like this when, uh, if you are just playing, if you pick the real one, uh, you get more points, but if someone picks your title, even though it's the wrong one, you would also get points? Is that how it works? Right. If you pick the real one, the the guesser gets points, and the person who drew the original picture gets points. They also get points, because they, you know, they drew it super well, right? Exactly. You could also put in a title that's misleading enough that people would pick your title, and that would also get Yes, that's right. This sounds incredibly similar to a board game that's out called Dixit. It is. It is very similar to Dixit. 
Yeah, you. I guess you know Dick's at then. Yes, uh, yeah, I've, I've played it a couple times, I think. Um, so, for anybody who doesn't know, in Dixit, you get a card, or you have a whole bunch of cards, and all the cards have these different, like, paintings or drawings or something on it. Uh, you pick a card, and you give the title to that card, right? Like, you give it a name or a title or something. Everybody else hears that title, and they pick a card that they also think represents it, and you all slide them forward. And then you shuffle it all up so you don't know whose is whose, and then you've got to try and pick who you think the actual real one is. And if other people pick yours uh, because you put out a card that matches the title well, then you also get points. Um, so it, I think it works very, very similar. It sounds like it. Uh, I, I mean, it's like that or Balderdash uh, with a dash of Pictionary thrown in there. Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, I can see those similarities. And just uh, so, like, what makes this funny though is. For these each round, you're being given like, like almost ammunition to be funny. The word combinations aren't just regular combinations; they're designed to elicit a funny picture on their own. Right. Or it's something like instead of just getting like car or something like that, it would be something that's like an odd combination of words. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So specific odd combinations. And on top of that, you're given one minute to draw the topic, and you're doing it usually on a smartphone. Oh, so that would make it even more difficult, wouldn't it? Right, yeah, you can play on a computer, but most people are going to be playing on phones, and that's not a lot of drawing space, and the phone touchscreen is not the most uh, articulate or refined way to draw anything, and so it naturally leads to these really messy, awkward pictures with weird topics and stuff, and, and that creates humor that you have participated in within the confines of a very uh, pre-established structure. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And then it goes even further with the guessing, too, because you see the picture, and then you can make up a funny caption based on the picture. So so going back to, like, tree bar, maybe I try and draw a tree getting a drink, but then it's like, I don't do it very well, and you're like, oh, it's like a barfing tree. (laughs) Ha ha. And then... Um, so not only is there opportunity for humor from just how poorly done people's drawings are, but there is also opportunity in the sense that you get to type in whatever title you want to also try and make people laugh. Exactly. Yes. It's, uh, metaphorically, it's, it's going to the batting cages and it's lobbing up a softball for you. And then you're able to put in your own, your own punchline. That's pretty funny. Cause I, I feel like there would almost be a metagame running under that when who could come up with like the most ridiculous, like funniest title for the drawings that are created. That's true. And actually to the game's credit, it does a good job of rewarding that because every t- every round you have your, you can make a guess, but then you can also like other people's guesses. Oh, really? So that's already built in. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so at the end of the game, there's the, there'll be a winner who gets the most points, but then they'll also recognize the person who got the most likes throughout the game. Oh, that's cool. So, that, like, you can play to win, so to speak, but then you can also play to just be as goofy as possible, and that's rewarded within the, the rules of the game as well. Sure, yeah. You could go for winning the game with points, or you could go for just having the best drawings or having the best titles. Exactly, yeah. That's very cool. It's almost as if, like, you could play that game however you want it. Right? Yeah, you could play for points, but you could also just try and like play to like be the most clever you could be, right? Yeah, I found it more enjoyable trying to come up with the funniest caption I could. And oh, like sure. a lot of times 
you can get sort of a sense for what kind of captions they'll use in the game. Uh, and then as a result of that, you know that you might have a funny thing to say, but it won't be guessed. But still, people will give it likes if they think it's funny. Although they did at least once, that, again, to their credit, the correct guess was a misspelling. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And, and they even called it out. Like, the the game announcer even called it out. So, I mean, they, they did a good job. This, this game is very well designed, very uh, well thought out, I would say. Awesome. That, yeah, no, it sounds, uh, it sounds like it'd be an absolute hoot, wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would say so, yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Um, now, the suggestions, the things that it gives you to actually draw, how, uh, how, like, how crude or vulgar or things are they? Like, would it give you something that's, like, aggressively, like, guy, like, banging a, or whatever, right? Would it give you, like, anything that's, like, really super vulgar? No, I would say it's, uh, like, PG to PG-13 in terms of its suggestions, and it leaves it up to you to determine how blue you want to make it. Awesome. Okay. No, that's 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 perfect. Because then it's entirely if you are choosing to draw things that are more graphic or more violent or sexual or whatever, then that the onus is on you, right? And you're doing that. You're claiming ownership of that sort of stuff. It's not like the game is setting you up with something that's inherently uh, dirty or inherently like inappropriate for different groups of people. That's entirely you know dependent on the group that you're with. So you could play the game one way with one group. Like if you played the game with kids. It'd be a totally different experience than if you played it with like a bunch of your friends, like you know, in the middle of the night or something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't play it with like five-year-old Ricky, but uh, like twelve-year-old Susie, I, th- I think would be okay to play. Yeah, she'd get it. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, development, developmentally appropriate children, right? Mm-hmm, yes. And so, I mean, there's the fact that people can contribute their own ideas, their own creativity, and get rewarded in the game. And then I think there's just a fact that people like structure. I mean, there is a reason that David Letterman did a top 10 list in every episode of The Late Show. Yeah, Pe- people easily digestible format, right? Exactly. And, and people know, like, the beats of the top 10 list. They, they know that usually, like, the, the second number two item is the funniest. And then, the, like, the number one is, like, the blow or the, the lights out joke. Sure. And they get used to that. They, they like that there's familiarity. They like seeing the pattern and knowing where the joke is going. It, they might not know exactly where it's going to end up, but knowing generally where it's going to land makes people like it more. They, they like having that prior knowledge. Yeah, there's a little bit of the expectation that's there, but it's not so big of an expectation that you know exactly what's going to happen, but everybody can still follow it along, right? I mean, a lot of improv games are based around that, having that structure. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, so many line games like uh, Sex With Me or... uh, 99 Blanks, Walk Into a Bar. 99 Blanks. uh, uh, Oh, jeez, I I know so many. Are they all... You know what? I think that basically any improv game that's based on a premise, right, is going to have a similar sort of thing, right? Yeah a game like Pillars, and you say, okay, there's going to be two audience members on the stage, we're going to touch them, and we're going to get a word. Everybody knows that format already, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, even the first couple of lines of the scene are almost like held in anticipation of you actually making the first contact with that person and getting a word. Everybody gets the format, everybody knows what's going on, and once it's been clearly established, they can all follow it super easily. Yes, and and I think, like, there's varying degrees of structure. Like, uh, I mean, in Pillars, I would... 
just arbitrarily rate that like a six out of ten. You, you know that someone's going to tap the pillar and we're going to get a goofy out of context uh, line. Okay. And then in like ninety nine, people walk into the bar. Like you know, you can repeat the patter back at the person as they're doing it, and then they're going to just fill in the last line of the text. Like that's like a nine out of ten or a ten out of ten. Sure, it's very very uh, very set up for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a. Oh, geez, there's like Irish drinking song. Like that that's another one where it's uh I mean, you know, you go I D I D I D I D I D I D I Right. And you everybody knows the tune and you just fill in the words. Right. And and you you have the first person lays a platform, the second one sets up a line to rhyme to rhyme, so the fourth person can rhyme off the second person, the third one tries to fit it in, and then the fourth one tries to wrap it up and rhyme the second one, like they're it, that one it's a little different because the audience may not necessarily realize the structure is there. That's just like the players are aware of it. Right. I mean, they'll pick it up. If, I mean, they're not idiots. They'll pick it up. But knowing that coming in, I'm not sure they're aware of that. No. But it's it's nice enough when you can just sort of explain the game in 30 seconds. They can pick that up immediately, right? Like, yes. I mean, that's, that's pretty straightforward. I would say that, I mean, you can give... I mean, there is a certain level of setup, but I would argue that it's... If a, you can explain it to an audience and they can follow along in you know thirty seconds, then that's just as straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would I would agree completely. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, no, that uh, it sounds uh, Drawful sounds like it's a like it's a hoot, yeah. and I I like the fact that they can that uh, players can inject their own humor. They can change it. They can change the content because uh, it's going to be based on the people that they're with, right? Um, it's very. It's almost as if the the game developers are just saying like, okay, here's a big sandbox, go have fun, you know? Like it's uh, this is how you do it, and pretty much do what you want, you know? Yeah, I, I think that they really encourage you to have some creativity and give you a, a safe space to explore that. Like I think you don't know Jack does it in a different way, uh, in that the jokes that you fill in are actually the answers to the quiz questions. Right, like half the fun of playing You Don't Know Jack isn't necessarily getting the right answer. It's giving the goofy answer and hearing how like Cookie or whoever the host is is going to react to the goofy answer. Yeah, that is pretty entertaining. I mean, a lot of the time they'll like they'll give an explanation. They'll say like, what? No, are you kidding me? Or they'll say like, this actually means this, you idiot. And then it'll disappear. Or sometimes they'll just outright say like, ah, no. And then the answer will disappear. And to set up that uh, productive environment for the player in the questions they ask, they're never straightforward. They're never like a, a basic trivia question. They're always really strange questions, out there questions that you could know, but they lead to entertaining answers. Like uh, the one that comes to mind is, I'm, I'm bringing back Kesha. I'm bringing back Kesha here, Cliff. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, the question was, which pop star... Uh, could you not write as a file name on Windows? <laughs> yeah, you can write Kesha because there's a dollar sign in there. Exactly. That's, that's super clever. Yeah, it was. And in, like, if you choose the wrong answers, you get like a pithy remark or a funny uh, jab at you, the player, while you're doing it. So you don't. It's it's uh, it's all in laughs though. So you don't like feel bad afterward. It's like the host is so acerbic that you would never wouldn't expect anything less. Right. Um. That is really funny. I mean, ultimately, that question is just saying, like, which symbol can't be used in a file name, 
but it's presenting it in such a clever way that also combines uh, pop culture knowledge as well. Uh, you don't really need to know anything about any of the artists, right, specifically. You don't need to know who Kesha is. All you really need to know is that the dollar sign isn't uh, good. Right. Exactly. So I think overall Jackbox does a good job of implementing this type of template comedy. Uh, and I think functionally uh, there are other people that they're in the same ballpark, but maybe not quite as sharp. Um, I would say that one of them is uh, Cards Against Humanity. Right, Cards Against Humanity. Now that's the big. Uh, that's the. Uh, that's the big Pandora's box for me, because <laughs> I've. Uh, I have. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Cards Against Humanity, and I have alienated myself from a few different parties because of my adamant refusal to play the game. Um, and similarly, I've expressed my opinions about it in like online on Facebook and whatnot. Also, to mixed, you know, responses. Uh, but, uh, not a big fan. Well, you know, I, I mean, uh, I think they're, <laughs> in a way, they're trying to fulfill a service of making this uh, pre-baked comedy. And sure. I, they took, you know, you know, I think they took the next step up from apples to apples. Yes, um, I think they, they, I think they did. Because I think, like, the game is pretty much the exact same as apples to apples just with some extra bits thrown in right uh but like what what specifically uh turns you off from cards against humanity i think it's the fact that uh there's no onus of responsibility for the things that are actually being said because there's a lot of uh material or there's a lot of things that are actually written on the cards which wouldn't be you know appropriate or good to bring up in any situation like, there's all sorts of cards that are based around specific, like, races, or specific, like, religions, or uh, just uh, all sorts of, you know, either super, super vulgar or super, super crude sort of situations as well. Um, and every time I've seen it, it's not, it is certainly by no means, it is not a very inclusive game, shall we say. It seems as though it's the sort of game that you would only be able to play with a very, very specific, you know, group of people right um it's not there's too many things that could maybe make too many people potentially uncomfortable you know what i mean um with something like uh with something like drawful you get to inject whatever humor you want you and your friends right and you get to put that in because you know the tone but in a game of cards against humanity there's no guarantee what cards are going to come up or what cards aren't going to come up right so let's say you're in uh Let's say you're in a crowd, you're in a room, and you know that maybe someone has, you know, had some horrible, like, sexual experiences previously or something like that, and someone gets a card that says, like, rape or something like on it. I think that one was actually taken out of the game, but um, even so... It showed poor judgment to have it there in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And there's a, there's a few other things, you know, that are in that, and then I've heard the counter-argument from that, well, why don't you just take out the cards that you don't like? And it's like, well, then why are you playing this game specifically anyway, right? Why wouldn't you play something that could have more uh, positive humor gem generated from a similar mechanism, like something like Apples to Apples? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's more PG, but I would argue that you can get just as much humor out of it. Right, you don't need to have like cards that say like black people. You know, you don't need to have that in mm -hmm. order for everybody to have a good time. Right. So when I mentioned the onus of responsibility as well, 
there's the thing that it's like, well, the people who made the game put these words on these cards and put them in the box. You took them out and you put them together and you placed them down in a certain combination, right? So who is saying the thing that's bad, right? Who is actually t like taking ownership for the, you know, the hateful or mean or potentially, you know, harmful thing that you're actually putting down on the table? Right? Is it the makers of the game? Well, no, it couldn't possibly be the makers of the game because, the, you know, yeah, they wrote the cards, but it was up to you to put them together. Or is it you? Well, yeah, I put them together, but the cards were already in the box, right? So I don't have any problem with, like, offensive, you know, humor or comedy or, you know, obviously. Uh, but I might, think about, <laughs> depending yeah, on the situation. Yeah, you got a problem with it. Um, but um, I think about, like, comedians, even if they're saying something that's, like, uh, controversial opinion, at least it's them on stage taking the stance, saying the thing, right? They're making, you know, they're making some sort of comedy or something like that. They're holding ownership for it, right? But well, against humanity, I always get the sense that it's just like no one's really claiming ownership for this sort of stuff. So it's like it's being said, but there's no one to ascribe it to, and I don't really care for that. I agree with the point about Cards Against Humanity. I would like to save that other part for another conversation on another day, because I think that not all comedians are good about taking responsibility for their own offensiveness. You're, you are you are totally right on that. That I that was a generalization. Obviously, there's going to be specifics, right? Right, but I, I like I guess I, I wasn't trying to like gotcha you about generalities. I, I don't. I think that maybe comedians just generally aren't good about that. Oh, do you think? I think that like I'm. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of like a bigger name comedians. Um, but uh, like I don't know. You see someone like uh, uh, like. Uh, Jim Jeff uh, Jim Jeffries or something like that who will say something that's maybe offensive to some people, but he's on there and he's holding his own, right? You know, and he'll he'll say his things, right? And it's entertaining to some people, but maybe it's not, you know, everybody's cup of tea, right? Uh, or Louis C.K. who will do like similar things that are maybe offensive to some people, but he's the one who's on there and he's you know he's saying it, he's putting his face alongside the comments as well. Uh, but that I find that doesn't really happen. In, uh, cards Against Humanity. I yes. Uh, Keeping it on Cards Against Humanity, I, I don't think they take ownership through the presentation of the game. Uh, if I can take a kind of a, a wimpier viewpoint, I don't think the game is designed very well. <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's fair as well. It's not, it's not very well designed, no. <laughs> Though I think it does lead into your point in that the nature of the game is you're trying to get your response down as quickly as possible. So first off, you can't think about what would even be the funniest thing anyway, but it also does not give you time to think about whether the maybe funny thing that you're putting down could be offensive. That's true. It really doesn't give you very much of an opportunity. And furthermore, you only have, what do you have, a hand of like seven, five or seven cards or something like that? There's, you have very limited possibilities. So you're trying to pick the thing that maybe works the best in that situation from the limited resources you've been gathered. And honestly, when I play the game, it just seems as though, like, for the most part, when people are reading out the matches or things like that, a lot of them just plain don't make sense, right? Some of them will get like a, oh, but then a lot of them, like, someone will put down the card and say, like, this thing, right? And everyone's just kind of like, hmm, you know, it doesn't really, a lot of it doesn't really match up too well. And, like, I think also it gives the player ownership in the wrong way, if that makes sense. Like, because the player that is picking from the cards, they one player gets to choose which card combo they like the best, right? So they're not necessarily looking for what they think is funniest. They th they're looking for what they think fits together the best, which can have a wide variety of subjective uh, meanings to different people. 
And then, I mean, some people will just be like, it'll say fried green tomatoes and it'll be like, oh man, I got punched in the face by fried green tomatoes. And they'll be like, ha I love fried green tomatoes. I'm picking this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. I have seen that happen a whole bunch of times. I think that is that is a perhaps a fault of games like that when it does come down to very subjective opinions, and that can be very disheartening. Um, there's a game that I play a bunch, which is you know essentially my you know my subtle kind of replacement for Guards Against Humanity, uh, but it's called Snake Oil. I think I've described it before. Oh, you have, yeah. But compl- yeah. but please do again. It's uh, you get a bunch of different cards, and they all have different words on them. You pick two of those, that becomes the product that you then need to sell to a certain type of person, right? And ultimately, the person that you are selling to, they're, you know, the leader of the round, they get to pick the one that they like the best, right? So I love that game, I think it's awesome, but it ultimately does come down to a very subjective sort of decision. And I played it a bunch of times when the person who's the leader picked the one that they wanted, and everybody else at the table was like, no, you have to pick this one, it was way better, you know? And, uh, you know, and that that just kind of happens. I think that's kind of the nature of the game. And it is unfortunate sometimes, um, but uh, it, that doesn't make it any the less unfortunate in a game like Cards Against Humanity. I think in Snake Oil, though, uh, it seems like it's more built in. Like the idea that you're trying to flim flam or trick the other players anyway allows for that kind of latitude. Yes, and it's um, you are you put the cards down in front of you and you do the whole pitch, right? You do like a thirty second pitch, right? So you have immediate ownership, right? And you can try and like specifically say things to that person, right, to try and convince them of the product, right? You can manipulate your knowledge of that person specifically. You know, you can do all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and that, that's the fact that it's built in there. And I'm not, I, I don't know if it sounds like this, but I'm not trying to sound like we're arbiters of comedy and common folk aren't. I just think, like, you need yeah. to establish a certain kind of guidepost for how you're trying to judge these cards in games like Cards Against Humanity. Like... If if it was just like, which do you think is the funniest? I mean, I would have no objection to anyone saying whatever they wanted. I just don't think the game is set up in a way for people to do that. No, that's true. Um, yeah, I have seen it. I do remember one time I was playing Cards Against Humanity. This was a long time ago. And I think I picked a card which was like, uh, I don't know, it was some obscure reference to something that didn't make sense even in the context of the card. But it was selected... I, I honestly don't even remember what it was. I think that it was, oh, it was something like, you need to spawn more overlords. That's what the card said, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it made absolutely no sense in the context of the card for the guy who was running around picked it because he got the reference. And, yeah. That's just not any fun for the other people at the table. It's, it doesn't encourage people to, be, to try and be funnier and wittier. It's the game's fault, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Drawful, it like it rewards people being creative, right? You can do your best to be as creative as you possibly can be, right? Even if you're terrible at drawing, you can interpret somebody else's drawing and you could come up with a really clever title for it and you could do very well as well. So it certainly rewards creativity in a way that comes against you. Agreed, yes. And, it, it, you know, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I think that the people at Cards Against Humanity, I, I, don't, I don't know if I need to apologize for them, but I think they're are some really cool people there and that they're working on some other stuff that's pretty cool. But um, I don't think this game is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of board games and it just, it, uh, it, uh, I don't care for the fact that uh, Cards Against Humanity is so commonly associated with modern board games you know, or the modern board games. I go to uh, board game cafes on, a, on occasion and it always, 
you know, irks me a little bit when I see people playing this game. And I'm like, well, you could be having a lot more, you know, different, you know, positive sort of experiences as compared to this sort of stuff. I mean, I don't want that to sound like condescending. Um, it, it, it's, uh, it's frustrating a little bit, but it's also more than anything. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's just a little depressing. I guess you'd have to hope that it's drawing people there who would not have been there otherwise. I suppose it could serve that purpose, although I haven't seen too many people, they show up, they say, hey, let's play Cards Against Humanity, and then, you know, they play it, and I say, hey, let's play this other game. If you like Cards Against Humanity, you can play this other game. They're like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that happen too much, you know? Huh. Uh, the, one of the other unfortunate things about the game is that whenever it comes out, uh, it seems to be like, that's it for the evening. You know, everybody else is like, nah, I don't want to play anything else, you know? Well, I, I don't want to deny anyone fun how they want to have fun. I just, you know, I, sure. it's, it'd be not, like if they could explore other options, that'd be great. But eh, it's yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. If you like the game, um, obviously you are, by all means, you are entitled to play it. If you enjoy it, if you have a good time with it, by all means. But it's, it's not the game for me. And it doesn't sound like it's the game for you either. No, I mean, I I owned it for a while, and I played it a couple times, and I didn't really enjoy playing it, so I stopped ringing it places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's, uh, perhaps that's all we should say on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, Jackbox, though, uh, overall, seems like an awesome, uh, fantastic, like, these seem like they're all, like, the party games of video games, right? Right. If you're going to play a big game that gets everybody involved in a party, you're going to pull out some of these games because they seem like they're, they're... It almost seems like they're a combination between board games and video games, but they do things... Like, maybe it was an idea for a board game, but it actually wasn't physically possible to do it in the board game realm. So it's kind of got a similar setup, but, you know, it uses the technology to advantage. Yeah, I think ultimately, uh, you know, in a lot of video games... Like you, you're playing a character and you're making decisions on that character's behalf, and then here you're making your own decisions and you're adding sort of a, almost a soul to these jokes or to these like these topics or these quiz show questions. That's that's your portion of the game. You are helping to create the game that someone else has already developed for you, and that makes them, especially the Jackbox games, a little more special, a little bit of a cut above, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree. I definitely. Well, in that case, uh, then that, I, think yeah. that's, uh, I think that's it on on that uh, on that agreement. I think that's it. Yeah, that brings another episode of so many bits to a close. We can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail dot com. You know, uh, we would love to have an email episode where we an- answer some questions from our our fan. So if you're out there and you like us, please write us, and we'll answer whatever questions you have about video games, comedy, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, that, and also like us on Facebook at So Many Bits. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at So Many Bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review, or listen to us on SoundCloud. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other podcasts. Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. 